You're listening to New Hope's Sermon of the Week. We hope you're encouraged and strengthened as you listen to this week's message. Love God's presence. God's already loving on us, revealing his heart to us. We've had a wonderful weekend, and um, if you're a guest with us, we've, we've been anticipating this weekend, and God has been doing a beautiful thing in the corporate life of the church, which which what I would define as divine connections. God's been connecting us and divinely connecting us with people that have the same DNA and the spirit in our heart to see the kingdom demonstrated on earth as it is in heaven. We, we've been declaring for years, we believe that the king is with us. Colossians 1.27 says, for it's, he's the hope, our hope is Christ in us, the hope of glory. And the kingdom is here, the kingdom is at hand, the kingdom is now, and we're all walking this journey, and it's fun partnering and connecting with people who, uh, some are ahead, some are with us. It's not about a competition, it's about learning and growing with one another. And um, <clears throat> the beautiful way I was meditating that this morning, but you know, in the Gospels it says, Jesus came to seek and to sozo the lost. That's what it says. The word sozo is not our word, it's to save. But he came to he came to sozo the lost. He came to save us, to heal us, and to deliver us. That we would be completely whole, completely whole, body, soul, and spirit. And this beautiful ministry of sozo has been birthed out of uh, Redding, California, Bill Johnson's church at Bethel Church in Redding. And it's been growing like fire because people, it's a tool. God has breathed on this tool so that we could have be restored to our intimacy with God the Father, with Jesus the Son and the Holy Spirit, and it breaks the walls down. And, and you know, we're breaking this lie. You know, I, I got to be screwed up to receive sozo. No, let's be honest. We're all screwed up. Okay. So if you if you're in this camp, we're all screwed up. We were all lost. We got saved. We got baggage, and God's saying, get rid of the baggage. You know, so so there is no elite like, you know, Pastor Ralph doesn't need sozo. Yeah, I do. I need sozo. I've received sozo. I probably need sozo next week. You know, it's this beautiful. Wanda, Wanda, Wanda is with the children this morning. The, we had the privilege of hosting Pastor Bob, Lori, and his beautiful daughter, daughter Heather. So they're with us in the morning. So they, we, we send them off to class. We're going to run back. I mean, we're going to be a little delayed. And Wanda and I are having our own sozo in the kitchen. A childhood memory that God came in the moment. My wife and I are bawling. And God healed the moment. In a moment. In a moment. Not 10 years of therapy. Not five years. Nothing wrong with therapy. and con- but, but in a moment. In a moment. Right? The church knows I've been loving to do this. This is my little... Okay? I want the whole Sozo team, and I'm going to introduce you. I want to introduce Lori Westwood, who's the, who's the regional director for Sozo out of Bethel. Lori, please stand up. Pastor Bob Muncy, his beautiful daughter, Heather. This is Lisa and Dean, the pastoral team, part of the worship leaders. We have Tammy. Awesome. And I'm going to have James and Hannah also stand. They're part of the family. Amen. Lori is, a, is a, the East Coast director. She's been multiplying this. Uh, God did a really neat thing in their church for the whole West Coast. It's multiplying. God's been 
been touching him, and I want New Hope to give a beautiful, warm welcome. Pastor Bob's going to be sharing with us today, Pastor Bob Muncie. I love the name of his church because it was a declaration that they made many years ago, and it was the house of praise for all nations, for all peoples. The house of praise for all peoples international. Isn't that cool? The house of praise. And it was really cute. We had a neat talk. You know, he made that declaration. There was like four people in a living room, you know? And now it's multi-generation, multi-culture. You declare and you see what, you know, I love that scripture. God calls forth what is not as if it was. So give a big warm welcome to Pastor Bob and come on up, Bob. Laurie's going to help me with this. Wow. If I lived closer, I'd come to this church. <laughs> wow, you guys are awesome. We have had a blast being with you. We're going we're gonna to give some things away because that's what we like to do. But before I do that, I want to, uh, as worship started today, um, I don't know, it was like the first or second song. I was standing there, and I turned around, and I looked. And, and as I did, um, uh, angels with the, the assignment of healing came in. And they're still here. They're standing on both sides of this, of this aisle, and they're standing with their hands raised. So what I want to do is I just release anybody here that needs healing while I'm talking through the rest of this service. I would invite you to just walk up and down the aisle step out and just just do it uh, the gifts the gift of healing is there just receive it you don't bother me a bit so just help yourself the other thing that um, that Laurie saw and the young the young gentleman with the pink shirt that was up front, Jeffrey uh, right over in this area here there is a revelatory angel that's here. He came in early in the service. He's still there. He was tickling you a few minutes ago. Um, there's a revelatory angel that's here. Anybody that that is sensing a need in that direction, just feel free to come stand over here or sit or lay on the floor, whatever. Now, as you as you're walking, there's a there's a progressive impartation from the angels that are taking place right now. So. Uh, be checking out whatever you're walking for. Be checking it out. Um, you're just things are being released right now. Skeletal, muscular, uh, nerve, nerve areas, um, chemical and electrical systems of the body, proper firing in the brain, reconnecting, reconnecting of areas that were disconnected. They're being connected right now. Um, blood issues, in particular blood issues. Uh, they're, they're being dealt with right now. And you might... Pardon? Oh, well. Um, I want to confirm what he just said because during worship, and I didn't think about it until after the fact, but during worship, I'm like whipping my arms around, whipping my arms around, and I could feel my shoulder getting touched. If you remember October 18th last year, I fell and broke my arm in two places. This arm right here. 
for anyone that that would be not able to um, to walk, then just get a seat on the end and sit there, and and feel free to get up and down. I mean, walk for a while and then sit down and then get back up if you want. I mean, the. The, yeah, the angels are not leaving. My sense is they're not leaving even when this service ends. I, I just see this as being a positional thing that God is, is dispatched. So you're going to start to receive testimonies of people coming in before the service even begins are going to be healed, and you won't even know that they came for healing. It's just the product of being in the presence. So we, we need to become accustomed to living in the presence is a different realm. Yeah. We, we've, we've been so indoctrinated into the church realm or church culture or religious culture yeah. where there's decent and in order events. And so from 11 to 11 or to from 11, yeah, to 11, whatever, that's when we do healing. If you left to use the restroom, sorry about your luck. Next week at 11 o'clock, we do healing. In it, I'm going to stand way over here. That's a lethal corner, I'm telling you. So what, what God is, he, he's, he's teaching us to see. Sometimes when we talk about revelation, people will get really nervous because they go, no, we have the word of God and the word of God is it. Absolutely. The word of God is the final word on all words. Yeah. Right. When we talk about revelation, we're not talking about getting something beyond scripture. Revelation is about just understanding scripture. I don't know about you, but I mean, I got saved when I'm seven. When I was 17, I'm 58 now, and I'm reading verses that I've read my entire walk with God. And all of a sudden, you go, "Good grief! Where has that been?" Well, the scripture has always been the scripture; it never changed. Well, what changed? Revelation. Well, what was revelation? It was understanding. It's not adding to, it's an understanding of what is. And you can do with this what you want. Uh, this is my own personal opinion. Revelation gets revealed from the throne into generations that say yes to a desire for it. Revelation is an extremely rich treasure. And the Lord does not cast his treasures before swine. The treasure remains until someone says, I'm going to dig for that. A mountain is only a mountain until somebody says, I believe in that geometric or geological structure, there's gold. And they start digging. And when they start digging, the first, they might just be removing topsoil, and then you're just removing rock, 
but you keep digging because the vein of gold is in the mountain, not on the mountain. Revelation sits and waits. God has never changed. His word has never changed. It's always been accessible. But it waits for a generation that will say, yes. I'll commit my life to this mountain because in that mountain there is a vein of gold and when I find that vein of gold, it will change the world. And we just say yes. And we don't stop digging. And on the days where all we got for a day's worth of digging is rubble, we don't discount the mountain. We purpose in our heart that tomorrow I dig again. And I dig again. And then I begin to invite people and go, oh, by the way, I'm pretty sure there's gold in that mountain. Why don't you get a shovel and come with me? And another comes, and another comes, and another comes. And then all of a sudden, my labors in digging are not my own. But now there's a synergy of the body, which is digging for a vein that previous generations didn't get. But the generation that'll dig gets it. And the generation that'll dig gets to take the gold and set it out in the open for the next generation. The next generation will have their own mountains. There's always another mountain. What we've done in the church culture is we've had a tendency to say, I dug this mountain, this is my mountain. I ain't giving this mountain to nobody. You're young, you dig your own stinking mountain. Because if I give my mountain away, I won't have any more. There's only so much gold. So I can't give it. It's mine. You have to wait till I die. But in the kingdom, inheritance is not something that's reserved only for after death. Inheritance becomes the truth that is accessible transgenerationally. So I get to set an inheritance now that my daughter doesn't have to wait for me to pass to enjoy, she gets it now and gets to take it further than I can take it. And then I rejoice in what she does beyond me, knowing that the gold that I dug now becomes the wealth that she gets to spring off of to go further than I've ever been able to go. Okay, that's not the sermon. I was just doing that to lead up to give some stuff away. Um, we've got products out on the table. I know many of you have been, been buying those, and we appreciate that. Um, Laurie is going to hand out some books. They're right there. I, no, I didn't put those in there. No, I didn't. We have to wait for Wanda to come back. Okay. So Laurie, just... Uh, She's going to like go up and down the aisle, and whoever she sees, there's five of you that we're going to give something to. So it's all on her. And 
Oh, sense the power. I want to, I, I want to, uh, you know, I, I want to. F- yeah. <laughs> I want to first thank Pastor Ralph and, and Wanda for hosting us and their wonderful hospitality and just being with you guys has been rich and being, just being here. When we, when we rolled in here Thursday, we've been on the road all day and got here just with about a half an hour to spare before we were supposed to start Sozo's on Thursday night. And uh, for us, it's about an eight hour drive. And uh, so, you, you know, you kind of roll in and it's been a long day, you know, it's going to be a long evening. And yet, when we pulled in and I came in the building, I always like to just take a minute and sense where I'm at. And when I came in, there was just this sense of, ah, this is good. It's clean. It's clean. There's some places you walk in and you feel like you've got to push your way into the front door just to get in. And, and it wasn't that way. We walked in. I was like, oh, this is just good. It's clean. And, and, and there was a sense of anticipation with you guys and a, already a, a position of faith. And, and I know that it's not because we've come. It's because it's how you guys are living. And uh, it's just important for us to realize the, the time of um, the time in history that we are, that we're in. Um, in my opinion, and, and others are saying this, so they heard me say it, and now they're copying it. Yeah, yeah, thank you, thank you. Um, but uh, we, we, we are in the midst of a global reformation that is proportional to but exceeding the Reformation that launched the, the, the Protestant Reformation. There's a couple things that are key in, res, in Reformation. Reformation is cultural changing. It's not church changing. The church will change in Reformation, but the goal of Reformation from the Father's heart is to change culture, yeah. is to affect nations. It's to, it's, it's to be something... Is, is to have a people that are willing to live and carry a vision and a desire that is greater than themselves. And realizing that no matter where we're at physically, we have actually been positioned in the spirit realm to affect nations. Some of us may never leave Rochester. Some of us may never leave Greenwood, Delaware. That's immaterial. I have the ability, you have the ability to, to begin to see into heavenly realms, see what heaven is wanting to do at a place on the earth, and then release that. You are going there. You're just not there physically. I had a, um, a, a just a really, a really neat... Uh, I'm actually having these more frequently, but th- this one is just was really neat. Tammy's son Timothy had been injured in a in a fall and had some really really severe brain trauma, and and for those first couple of days, there was a lot of things that just really hung in the balance. I mean, it was like we're all praying, the whole community around us is praying, and there's a lot going into that. And 
you know, but things are, were starting to progress. And one night I, I went I went to uh, bed as I normally do, and about 2 o'clock, 2.30, I woke up as I normally do. And, and when I woke up, I was praying in the Spirit as I normally am when I wake up. And, and so nothing's, nothing seemed different, except all of a sudden in the midst of that, I wake up, I'm praying in the Spirit, and now I'm in the hospital room with Timothy. He's laying in, in the bed, and I just go in and I say, Timothy, come on, we've got to go to heaven to get your new skull. And Timothy goes, okay. And he gets out of bed. And next thing, we're in heaven in the storehouse. And it was comical because it was, to me, it was almost like being at a clothing store because we're walking around looking at skulls. I'm like, well, which one do you want? <laughs> you know, you know, I guess if you always felt you had a pointed head, it was that wonderful time to get a round one. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, Timothy found the skull that he wanted. He took it off the shelf, and we were back in the hospital room, and I said goodbye, and I was back in my bed still praying in the Spirit. Now, I never left my bed. This wasn't, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that. This, this was just whatever it is. Now, the next day, Timothy has moved from intensive care to step down. And was it the following day that they were going to let him go home? Or three days later, they release him to come home. Now, please, a bunch of people were praying. There was a lot going on. This all did not hinge on me. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I got this privilege to step out of time and space, travel with someone so that they could get what they needed, and then come back, and then life moves on. That's how you're going to affect nations. Get used to traveling. What are you dreaming? You can't get it till you dream it. Everything starts in the dream. So what are you dreaming? Well, I don't have any dreams. Well, then ask for some. Pay more attention to them. Don't discount weird dreams as cold pizza. You go, well, that was the most bizarre thing. Well, those of you that have been through Sozo so far, I mean, then you get some bizarre stuff show up, and you're like, what in the world was that? Yeah. You don't need to understand yet. What God is looking for are these earthly conduits for heavenly views and heavenly visions and heavenly desires. Now, when the heavenly gets translated into the natural, of course it's confusing. It doesn't make sense because... Our senses have been trained in the natural realm. Right now in this reformation, our senses are being trained to the heavenly realm. We're being trained to see differently. We're being trained to understand differently. We're being trained to, to see the word of God differently. The testimonies that have just been spoken. Many of you that have been through, through Sozo at any level, what was happening? Holy Spirit or Father God or Jesus, he was training you in that moment to see something differently because what you thought was true, you discovered was a lie. 
And then he came and he brought you truth. And when you saw truth, I think all of us would say, the minute I saw that, everything changed. I said, I'm still the same person. I still have my same frailties. I still got all the same glitches, but I look different. Well, how did that happen? I now see different. So God's training us to see in a different way. I want I want to just I want to touch on a couple of things. This morning when we left the uh, the pastor's house to come here, there was Heather and Laurie and myself, and we weren't even out of the out backing out of the driveway. And Heather is off on this whole revelation about what today was going to look like, and she's given us all this stuff. And and uh, by the time we got here, what I thought was going to be just preaching a sermon was transformed into something else. So. We, we have some surprises for you today. You've all already been saying it. Today is a day in which the atmosphere of this community of believers is eternally shifting. And where you're going today, you will never be where you have been again. Hear me, where you were was not bad. Don't ever dishonor your past. Your past was necessary to get you to the present. But this present moment is necessary to launch us into our future. Pastor Ralph talked about this being like a space shuttle today. Well, we're at T minus 15 minutes and counting. Let me just run through some things that we've seen in our own experience. This is actually, um, I like preaching this because this is actually the foundation for my next book. So I keep preaching it and then I get your guys' input and then it helps me write my book. So let me, this, this is some things that we've discovered as we're looking into how's the, this kingdom advancing? What's taking place? Where, where are we going? What's this reformation look like? How's it changing things? These are what I consider um, signs of a, of a healthy church. And to save those of you that are detailed note takers, I, I will be glad to email this and then you guys can, if you want it, you can make copies and that way you can, uh, you, you don't have to feel like you got to get every word because I'm going to move through this fairly quickly. But Okay, signs of a healthy church. Signs of a healthy church. The first one is that the unhealthy don't control the vision or the atmosphere of the community. It remains healthy. As a church, we're supposed to be in a place where the unhealthy come in and they get healed. Any church worth its salt, being what it's supposed to be, there's always got to be the place for the broken. There's always got to be the place for the lost. And there's got to be that place where it's safe enough for those individuals to come in and actually live in our community, not yet fully embracing the belief structure of our community, but at least knowing this is a safe place I can come from what I endure someplace else. So I can at least come in, and while I'm here in, in this community, I feel different about life. That is the doorway to salvation. People would get around Jesus and they would feel different. They didn't call him Messiah necessarily. They did, you know, at best, some of them would go, teacher. You know, 
they, they could at least rise to rabbi. I, I, I get that. You're sharp. They didn't realize they were standing next to the Son of God. They didn't realize what the fullness of heaven was unveiling in the, in the very place where they were at. They missed all that. They just knew where that dude goes, good stuff happens. The church should be the same way. The church should be the place where people go, they're a little quirky. I don't understand everything they do. But I like being there. I feel better. When I walk into that building, something inside of me seems to be at peace. And when I leave that building, my life is hell. Everything about me is falling apart. I don't know where I'll go. I don't know. But when I'm there, I'm at peace. So the church should always be that place where the unhealthy can come. The problem has been the church has been as unhealthy as the unhealthy out on the street. So when they came in, they went, I don't see no difference here. At least at the bar by 10 o'clock, everybody's laughing. <laughs> yeah, I come to that place, man, the longer it goes, the sourer they get. Not here. Not here. I'm just, those people down the road. So we need to be at the place where we're healthy and the unhealthy can come in and begin to, to eat of the fruit of our lives, the fruit of the Spirit that is in our lives, that they have access. That becomes the doorway to salvation. Um, I, I would even go so far as to submit this, to present salvation as an intellectual assent to something that's being proposed as, as right or absolute is not the presentation of salvation. Salvation is an invitation to an experience with God. If there's no experience, I question whether there's been salvation. I, that's not in my notes. Are you crazy? Yeah. yeah, salvation is an invitation to an experience. Jesus, every time he had an encounter with someone, they had an experience. And at the end of the experience, he gave a definition to them of what they experienced and what they were to do. But it was possible to do it because they had the experience. Salvation that is only an intellectual agreement with something that we would call truth gives me no way to change. It only gives me an avenue to agree. And what I agree with today, I can unagree with tomorrow. What I experience, I can think about it, I can ponder it, I can be confused about it, I can be elated about it, I can do a lot of things, but the experience is there. It doesn't leave. Okay. Point two, control isn't used from the leadership to the community. 
or the community to the leadership. In a healthy church, we start understanding that, that this whole dynamic in the kingdom is different than the way we've set things up in church structure. In church structure, we've built everything from a hierarchical position, so ultimately somebody's at the top of the heap. And the person that's at the top of the heap gets to call all the shots to the people at the bottom of the heap. And the people at the bottom of the heap don't have to really do anything because the person at the top of the heap doesn't. In a kingdom culture, it's relational. We have people that are in leadership. There is genuine leadership. Pastor Ralph is, is the genuine appointed leader here of this community. But the community operates in a relational way where we start realizing that when we come together as a body, it's everyone bringing in their gifts. It's everyone bringing in their callings. It's everyone bringing in their psalm, their hymn, their revelation, their testimony. It, it, the community then becomes the expression of the corporate whole, not just the reality of the leader. So we don't show up on Sunday to just hear what the leader figured out over the last six days. We come because we have a commonality of experience with the Lord Jesus Christ to which we have all been actively engaged in since we were together last. And when we come together, we come together to celebrate what happened and what's about to happen and what the Lord has showed us. And then in the leadership, there begins to be that dynamic where the leadership starts looking and vision starts to be formulated and things start to be advanced. But what starts to be advanced, it comes out of the corporate whole instead of just the leader having to go away and have a moment, uh, Moses moment on the mountain. That, that's, that's an old covenant view of what leadership looks like. New Covenant is not that way. Are we okay so far? Yeah. Point three. There is an honoring of the individual gifts in the church. So honor, and I know you guys have been reading Danny Silk's book and, and digesting it and making it part of your culture. We've done the same thing. That I, there's, there's certain books that come along that, that have been totally transformational for us as a church, that is one of those books. Part of it, when we read it, it just resonated and we realized we're actually doing this. We're doing some of this stuff. But then it helped define it a little bit better and go, okay, well, I had that understanding of honor, but wow, the way Danny just said that, then here's this whole other area that in the past we really haven't done very well there. So now there's a new challenge. How do we do this? How do we how do we let this out? So that book has been just amazing for us. So in honor, we start honoring the gifts of each other. We start realizing that in this room right here, with all you folks, most of you I don't know at all, and even the ones that I've met, if I had to take the test of your name right now, I probably wouldn't do well. But we start realizing that every one of you carries giftings. Every one of you carries anointings. Every one of you hears from God. Every one of you that are born again have the Holy Spirit living in you. You are sealed in Christ. You move and operate as a vehicle of his expression on the earth. And we learn to honor the, the diversity that we are as a people. Some of us are very analytical. We got to have line upon line, line upon line, line upon. 
Some of us are totally free-spirited. We couldn't stay on the line or in the lines of our life dependent on it. We're just, woo, you know. Some of us are just naturally outgoing people that we've never met a stranger. I don't care what store you walk in. By the time you get to the end of the checkout line, you got three people down on their knees accepting Jesus. Two people got healed, and you're given a prophetic declaration to the manager of the store. And that was the express line. <laughs> and you have others of us that are more, much more introverted. My, personally, my goal is to get through the store and talk to no one. I go to a store to buy something. I don't want to engage. I don't want conversation. I, you know, and if somebody, if, if I get in front of me or behind me, one of those really extroverted people, it really messes with my whole shopping experience. <laughs> I don't want to know that. Why would you even feel compelled to tell me that? I mean, for me, I don't, I don't understand people like that. I mean, that's a world I don't, don't live in. Last night, we were all at Pastor Ralph's, and everybody's going to watch a movie, and they're all happy to watch a movie. I went to bed. I just took my book, and I went to bed, because by the end of yesterday, I, like, had all of people I could handle for a day. I, I just, you know, they're like, but you don't have to go to bed. I'm like, no, I want to go to bed. <laughs> it's... Believe me, you're not putting me out at all. I just, actually I wanted to do this two hours ago. I had to make up for the night before. The other thing, that there is an honoring of the person that is on their path of growth and healing. And this is paramount. We have to allow each other to move through the process as Holy Spirit is moving us through the process. Now, for some of us, you know, we talk, you hear people give a salvation experience, and it's like, bam, you know, I was, I was like this motorcycle riding, drug doing, drunk guy, I fought all the time, and you know, and, and then I met Jesus, and now I'm just this crying, whimpering, I don't do any of that anymore, and I just love Jesus, I never drank again, I never smoked again, I don't even like motorcycles, and I just love Jesus, and you're like, I think I was like six years before I even got over the whole anger thing. It took me longer. So <clears throat> each of us, every one of us in this room, even as we're going through Sozo, it's a process. Honor allows the person to progress at the rate that Holy Spirit is taking them. I don't know why it may take you longer to get this piece of revelation than it did me, but that's not the question. The question is, are you connected to the Father? Are you growing? Is he speaking to you? Are you changing? Yeah. Okay. So honoring just allows, it, it frees us all up. You don't have to be like me. You, should, you know, and I don't have to be like you. I don't have to feel compelled when I come into your presence to all of a sudden feel like I got to model you. I can just be me. 
You know, it's just so so wonderful. See see people up front, you know, today dancing and worshiping and laying down, and and I, I love that and I do that. And yet I know full well there's people here in this room. They're like, you would not catch me up there doing that for anything. I love Jesus. I love worship. Worship here is amazing, but I can stand right here in my chair and I can worship, and you can, and we release you, and we love you to be you. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. You were not made in my image. You were made in the image of the Father. That's the only image you have to rise up to. That's the only standard. So in a healthy church, we, we allow people to grow as, they, as they're able. Point five. Offenses are handled in a healthy way with reconciliation and forgiveness, the primary goal. Offenses happen. We're people. We're a community. We're a family. There isn't a family going no matter how how good that family structure is. There isn't a family going that doesn't have disagreements. There isn't a family going that has different viewpoints. There isn't a family going that one wants one thing and one wants the other. Just take the, if you don't think that's in your family, take them out for ice cream and tell them they're all going to have vanilla. And the store's got 28 flavors and various toppings. We'll see how together your family is. Offenses come. But then Jesus said, just because they come doesn't mean they have to stay. And more blessed is the person that is not offended. We understand that dealing with offenses, we have to do that. But in this process of maturity, we should be less and less offended and come to the place there is no offense in us. So I don't know if I can ever get there. Yes, you can. And it's not near as hard as you think, and it won't take near as long as you think. So stop thinking. That's your biggest problem. Point six. The overall vision of the community is seen as the goal, not the particular agenda of an individual. Leadership is trusted to facilitate this. I, at, at home in our church, we have some of the most incredibly amazing, anointed, smart people that I've ever been around in my life. And as the senior leader of that church, there's, there's days that I just sit back and go, I have no idea what to do with these wonderful people. Because fresh giftings are rising up that I want to honor. Fresh callings are rising up that I want to honor. Fresh ministry opportunities are rising up that I want to say yes to. I'm a yes person. I just like to say yes to everything, and then we'll figure what falls off along the way. But I'd rather start with yes than start with no. Now, we have people in our church that would rather start with no, and we have to convince them to yes. So both is true. But you know, we, from a leadership standpoint, we're trying to, to hear and see all that's going on, to be honoring with all that's going on. But at the same time, as a leader, the anointing that rests on a senior leader or a senior leader team is that that anointing that, that rests there is designed to help release what heaven is doing 
at a particular time and a particular place. Now, I don't know about you guys. I, I get revelation. I get it all the time. That's not a difficult thing for me. Timing, I'm miserable at. Because when I get it, I want to do it. If I get the revelation, I see no benefit in having to wait. If I was going to wait, God, why didn't you keep it to yourself and just tell me when you wanted me to do it? You know? I don't know about you guys. He doesn't do that with me. He'll give me revelation, and then it takes four years for the thing to even start to work itself out. And I'm like, really? Really? I didn't need to know that. And he's like, yes, you did. Because when revelation comes, I, sometimes this is different. I, know, I realize I'm speaking in, 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 in a generality here. Generally, when revelation comes, I have the capacity to receive it. I have a little capacity to understand it. And I have no or very little capacity to actually release it. And we have to be people that allow the Holy Spirit to do his work so that all three capacities rise up at the same. Because God doesn't waste time. He doesn't waste his word. And he wants to make sure that I'm, I rise up to a place that when the, the revelation comes into its fullness, I have the capacity to fully operate in that revelation. So there's this whole timing thing, which stinks. But it's the way revelation works. So, you know, in, in our church, I mean, we, we, when we get together for ministry team meetings or we, we have a, a presbytery, which is our actually the governing body of our church, like if, some, if a final decision has to be made or something legal has to be done, is that group of individuals of which I sit as the senior leader. So ultimately, you know, I'm the one that has to sign my name to something. And then this past year, we actually brought in uh, an apostolic council which we, we looked into our body and said, okay, of the five-fold gifts, apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist, of those gifts, who in our church represents the highest level of those being developed in our midst? And coming into this year, we had five people and, and actually had a few more. So we, we brought them in, we commissioned them, and, and we released them. So they, the, the Apostolic Council does not have a governmental role from the standpoint of legal authority, the Presbytery still holds that, but the Apostolic Council has a governing role from revelation, from impartation, from developing those gifts. So we have all this going on. So anybody that comes to me and says, wow, I really think we ought to, and ought to has to work its way through this process. And along the way, it gets massaged. And along the way, it gets fit in, put into the timeline to the best that we can see it at the moment. So where honoring comes in is the body of believers trust the leadership to do just that. Are we fallible? 
Absolutely. What happens when we blow it? We repent. Well, what happens when we repent? You forgive us. Well, what happens then? Well, we keep going. I mean, if there's been repentance and there's been forgiveness, well, that's off the table. Now, what are we doing? We still have this item we got to do. We, we missed it here, but that doesn't mean it's all bad. We just missed it, so we're going to go on. So there needs to be that place of honor. I'm not talking fast enough. Uh, point seven. In a healthy church, the leadership facilitates the flow of the gifts in conjunction with the vision of the community. That was what was happening right here when, when Pastor Ralph was doing, doing uh, the testimonies and, and the prophetic words and all what's, what's happening. He's just facilitating. That's all I do. I come into church on a Sunday morning and I'm just the facilitator. And if you come and visit our church, and we would love to have you come and visit our church, if you come and visit on a particular Sunday, if you didn't know who I was, you would be hard-pressed to know who's in charge around here. As a matter of fact, my, my daughter Heather was at, at a ministry training at another place, and, and they were talking about the whole apostolic thing, and, and that was the biggest question people were stumbling on. Well, who's in charge? Somebody has to be in charge. Well, in a healthy community, someone is in charge, but we don't have to run around going, I'm in charge, I'm in charge, sit down, I'm in charge. Because the community trusts me that at any given moment, if I need to exercise authority, I can do it. But I don't need to micromanage everything that goes on. You're all adults. You're all smart. You're all anointed. You all get it. So we facilitate. The next point of a healthy church, there's an expectation of healing and deliverance as a core belief of the community. We just accept that. It's who we are. We go after it every time. You guys go after it. It's been wonderful, wonderful what you guys are doing. Nine, people coming into the atmosphere of, of the community will notice love and freedom. I knew it as soon as I walked in the door. As I said, it was clean. The atmosphere was clean. I just walked in. It was so welcoming. And you guys have been your hospitality, the way you've taken care of us. Every step of the way this whole weekend, you guys have just done an excellent job taking care of us. Yeah. You know, thank, thank you to Carolyn, and Mike made us a wonderful dinner last night, and then he didn't invite me to play golf, though. I look out the window and say, is that Mike out there knocking the golf ball? Yeah, he's out there. Dick, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm off there. The O'Reilly. Yeah, I do remember that. Thank you for correcting me. Um, yeah, I look out the window and Dick's out there playing golf. So, But I, lo I loved the meal. It was good. It was good. More than enough. More than enough. Yeah, oh my goodness. I was stuffed. Uh, Ten. Joy is a central expression of the community. I just yeah. love that. Joy. Yeah. We, 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 had a, we have an elderly couple that just started coming to our church. And I realized that for um, as we move into this new place and there's this whole expression of of, of worship and the way it takes place, that we have people that have been in the kingdom a lot, lot longer than I've been in the kingdom, and they came into the kingdom experiencing it from a particular venue of worship and a particular venue of, of style, and, and we're shattering that. And, and I appreciate the people that, that are willing to go, 
I'm going where the wind is going. And and yeah, this isn't, you know, at my heart of hearts, I, you know, I, I love worship and I, I totally participate in it and I'm totally for it. But, you know, I still love coming home in the afternoon and putting on the Gaithers and just sitting in my rocking chair and enjoying Southern gospel music. We will have a deliverance service immediately after this one. <laughs> only kidding. Only kidding. I was actually in Ireland a while back speaking, and the pastor that I was staying with, Pastor Billy, he kept telling me about this wonderful gospel group in the U.S. called the Gators. <laughs> he's like, have you ever heard the Gators? I'm like, no, that's a football team or something from where I come from. And he said, no, 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 the Gators. He talked For two days, he talked about the Gators. And then we get to his house, and he shows me the album. It was the Gaithers. Like, out of something lost in the translation. So, uh, but we've just had a, an older couple that have just recently started attending the church, and the gentleman is, is much more conservative than the wife. She was elated about coming. They had been to a, another church that was more conservative than ours, and, and they just felt like they needed to be in where things were happening and being poured out. And the gentleman told his wife after being there for a couple weeks, he goes, you know, this is a happy church. I like going to a happy church. And I've heard people be critical about that, and I'm like, seriously? So you would rather go to an unhappy church? No, I, I'd, I'd rather go to a happy church. I just, why is happiness all of a sudden a bad thing, or if you're happy, that's somehow not spiritual, or it's fleshly, or it's like, cut me a break. I'll take happiness any day of the week. Finally, in a healthy church, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit will be a normal and regular part of the community instead of something that's scheduled in. It, we, we allow for things to be free. Yeah. yeah. So, um, one, one more thought. Healthy people advance the kingdom through favor. Unhealthy people try to advance their agenda by control, manipulation, anger, rejection, accusation, indirect words instead of direct communication with one another. Jesus found favor with both God and man. He modeled for us what it looks like to be a people that operate out of favor. Favor is not me getting the closest parking space to the door. Favor is me getting access into realms that have been closed to the kingdom to which I can come in and shift an atmosphere and favor will open the door. Favor will open the door. We need to be a people that understand favor. Uh, the young lady that was sharing her testimony about, you know, now I can actually feel like I can ask for the things that I've dreamed about, but I can legitimately ask for them. That's what favor does. Favor is this place where we, we look at something and go, God, I feel you've called me to go after that. 
but I don't know how to get in there. There's no way. There's just, uh, there doesn't seem to be any way to get into that. When I'm, when I'm at that place where I realize this is what I've been commissioned to do, this is what I've been called to do, then what I'm looking for is favor to come, open the door so I can step in. Favor is that place where all of a sudden someone who needs to say yes says yes, even though the probability of that was very slim. Favor is that place where I need something to shift financially in order for me to do what I know I need to do, and all of a sudden the shift comes, and it's from a, a, an un, unexpected way. I didn't work to do it. It just came. That's favor. We are designed to be people that live in the realm of favor. Okay, that, just a couple more thoughts. Everybody okay? Can you hang in there with me? You all get to go home. We 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 get to drive for eight hours. So, yeah, if I can do it, I, I'm hoping you guys can do it. Let me do one more thing, and this is about honor. In Matthew nine fourteen, then the disciples of John came to him, asking, "Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples don't fast?" And in Matthew eleven four uh, to six. Jesus, an Jesus answered to them and said, go and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Blessed is he who does not take offense in me. The issues of offense will stop faith of a teen faster than anything I know. When we measure ourselves by ourselves, by what we're doing or not doing, we open the door wide to offense. There is no unity where there's offense. When the scale of my success is measured between you and I instead of me and Christ, the offense will always come. Between you and I, the scale will always show our differences. As a healthy son, the scale between Christ and I will show where I'm comfortable show where I'm coming from and where I'm going to. The scale of the kingdom is the scale of revelation, advancement, and growth. All things are possible in the kingdom. In healthy communities, we honor and celebrate the success of one another yeah. because their success is my success. Yeah, that's good. I don't travel with this team a lot, I love it every time I do. My own schedule is busy enough that it's, I just can't always do this. I love the Sunday they come home. I love the stories. I love the testimonies. I love what Laurie does. I love the way she's built this team. She's put her heart and soul into it. She, she's, she's, you know, articulated it. She puts it together. She works it out. She just does an amazing job. Her success is my success. When she comes back with the stories, they're my stories. Right. When I travel someplace else and I come back to the church and I bring my stories, they're their stories. 
we're all in this thing together. Nothing is lost. You know, there, there's times, I, I, probably everyone in this, in this room can think of times where somebody came and told a story, and you go, man, I missed it. Man, I wish I'd been there. You know, or, you know and it's like, you were. You didn't miss anything. It's all yours. You have not because you asked not. It's yours. You can have it. It's free. We want it for you. We were delighted to have you with us. There is no loss in this kingdom life. When the, the important thing with offense is once I take up an offense, I think somebody touched upon this already. When I, when I take up an offense, that stops me right there from being able to step into the fullness of what I'm supposed to have. And where offense really comes in is when we start measuring ourselves one to another. The scripture tells us it's not wise to judge yourself by yourself. Why? Because it always leaves the door open for offense. What is the measure? What is the measuring stick that I measure to? It's Jesus. That's what I measure to. I don't measure to you. I'm not trying to be like you. You're not trying to be like me. And when we get into a situation where confrontation starts to come, in confrontation, if I'm measuring myself by you, who I'm in confrontation with, it becomes very difficult. If in confrontation, and confrontation is, has its place, it's not bad, it's just we don't do it well. In real confrontation, I'm here with you, we're having a disagreement of ideas, not persons, ideas, we're, we're, we're dealing with strongholds of the mind at times, it's not the person. So I'm in a conflict with you. We're both believers. Okay, so then what becomes the measurement of the conflict? Whether I win or are we both now in a place where we're going to walk together somehow to advance the kingdom? I would submit to you that to the measure I need to win that measures the level of unhealthiness I still have. Healthy people don't need to win. Healthy people just be. Is there conflict? Yes, absolutely. Conflict is necessary for proper growth. But let's have conflict correctly. Let's make sure that when we have those conflicts, that we do it face to face with the one I'm having the issue with, not faces to faces with people that don't even know what the heck is going on. Let's make sure that when we're in conflict, I, I mean, just give you an example and I'll close with this. In our apostolic council, 
one of the people on our council that we agree all these everybody that's there we've all agreed these are people that 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 should be there it was they were commissioned they were agreed upon by the church and one of the one of the one of the people on the council is still growing still changing still processing and i realized okay we now have a major conflict So I spoke with that individual, and I said, we need to come together, and we need to meet face-to-face. They agreed. Yes, we do. I said, I want several of the elders from the presbytery to be there. And uh, actually, I I said I would like Laurie to be there for that. And they responded back and and listed one of the other elders and said, well, I want him there as well. I said, fine with me. The difference was when we came together, uh, and, and maybe this is, hopefully this is a snapshot maybe of how at least it, it's working out, this culture of honor is working out with us. We came together, we met at this individual's house, we walk in, the, the, the atmosphere was so thick you, you could slice it with a, a knife, but it better be sharp. And uh, we come in and there's that awkward moment of how do you start, what do you say, you know, well, let's, Less open in prayer, and the prayer was something like, Jesus, save us. You don't know where to go. There's that internal tension. You know, for, for me, when those things start happening, I, somehow my voice doesn't always cooperate with me, and it sounds different than it should. Um, I think they call that nervousness. Um, so there was all these things going on as we started. And the individual looked at me and said, you wrote me a letter where you made 12 accusations against me, and I've written them out, and I intend to go accusation by accusation to show you where you're wrong. And I sat in a chair, and I said, this is all I brought. Because I didn't come to go accusation by accusation with you. I didn't come to even argue the merits of either one of our positions. I came because you're a brother. Because I love you. Because you're important to me. And I realize that this back and forth that we started that probably on your side you thought was proper and okay has now escalated into something neither one of us want. So how do we reconcile? How do we bring out a redemptive quality in where we are right now? And for the next, what, two hours? Some of it was heated. But the longer we stayed, the better it got. And then we got to the place where at the end, we prayed and we hugged and we cried. And we got up from that place and we're moving forward. That individual is still on the council. I still respect their giftings. I still respect their callings. And I still respect their place in the process that they're at. In the old way, we lose people there. We've been taught that conflict is a battle, and it's a battle I have to win. And then when we really got spiritual, we labeled it, and we called it Jezebel. (laughs) 
when really the only label is two broken people who are unhealthy in themselves trying to arrive at a healthy conclusion. I just submit to you, two unhealthy people can't arrive at a healthy conclusion. Because <laughs> it ain't in us. So let's get healthy. Let's learn what conflict really is. Jesus had his moments with the boys. He never lost sight of them. They never lost sight of him. He corrected them. He loved them. He restored them. He walked through denial with them. All the things that he did, but he never lost them. That's what we've been called. That's what a healthy church looks like, and that's how a healthy church community functions. Everybody okay? Okay. We have one more thing that we must do. This is, this is, you can thank my daughter Heather for this. This was her revelation really this morning, and we all got this on the way. We're going to have two chairs up here. If somebody could bring just two chairs right up here. Those are the perfect chairs to bring because we need you guys to sit in them. So Pastor Ralph and Wanda, if you two will sit in the very chairs that you brought. He even knows what we're going to do. That is a smart man you have. <laughs> this is our first time here with you as a community. And I, I will say to you, we've never done this before with any community of believers that we've been with. But we felt this morning for these two that um, it, was, it was no accident that I was on this team. Lori, Lori knew it was strategic when she asked me to come as as everything when uh, pastor Ralph first approached Laurie about coming and expressed his heart and his his love for what Sozo is doing and you know just really his heart for seeing it released here and all those things um, we just knew that this was a strategic moment um, that and then you guys when we get here you're talking about the shift you're talking about this being a, a new place uh, you know you all have used your own, vocabulary to express what you're sensing in your heart. So we're not here as being above you, speaking something down to you. This morning, we want to come with you relationally and say that we didn't come to town to do a two-day conference and then get in our car and drive away. We came with our heart. We came with our heart open, and you all received us with open hearts. And there's been a knitting, and there's been an expansion, there's been a shift, there's been a change that's been going on all weekend, but it was going on before we got here. It'll be going on 
after we leave. One of the things that I, I felt, and, and Heather really brought this, she was the one that had this revelation this morning, and Laurie, we, we all met beforehand, and, and we're all like, okay, God, this, oh, this is cool. This, this is like, we're going to have like one of these major God moments, and we are going to have a major God moment. Felt like our place was to come alongside now and and really I have I have no history with you guys, so I don't know how all this came about when 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 Pastor Ralph was set in as the senior leader here. I don't know how you guys did it. I'm sure it was great. So this what we're doing here, please do not read in any way that it somehow says anything that's been done in the past was inadequate or or whatever. That's not what we're saying. What we feel is this is a launching point, and in this launching point, we want to stand with you and say yes. And we want to stand with Pastor Ralph and with Wanda, and we want to say yes to them. We want to say yes to the giftings and the callings that they have, to the things positionally that they've been placed in. One of the things, just having been in church a long time, one of the problems that we can encounter, and it will be, it'll work in conflict with the culture of honor, is familiarity. And sometimes we've been with each other so long that we only see each other from the natural relationship that we have with one another, and we have a tendency to miss the anointing. We have a tendency to miss. We don't do it on purpose. We're friends, and friends are casual, and, that, and it should be that way. It should, you know, I mean, when we're at their house, I mean, I just, it's great. I mean, uh, I just I just feel the hospitality. I feel the friendship. It's a wonderful attribute. But there is a place in the kingdom where we honor those who carry the mantle. And we're just saying today that for Pastor Ralph and for Wanda, that there is a mantle that they're carrying. They carried it before we got here. We're only agreeing with what we see. Okay, everybody okay with me? Okay. So as we were trying to sort out, what are we supposed to do? What does this look like? This is our sense of things, and then at this point, I'm going to set down the mic, and I'm not going to turn it off because I just sense there's some of you that have things you want to say as well. But I'm going to wash Pastor Rouse's feet, and Laurie is going to wash Wanda's feet. And as we do this, we're doing it in an acknowledgement of who they are in the kingdom. This church is a city set on a hill. You are a people that have called, been called to be salt and light to the Rochester area and beyond. You're doing it. You're going to do it more. You've seen it. You're going to see it more. You've experienced it. You're going to experience it more.
I just declare over you as a community of believers that you have been positioned in Rochester to influence the governmental mountain of this town. You'll affect other mountains, but your strong suit is going to be in the governmental mountain. You're going to begin to see favor and doors open in, in the areas of government, both local, citywide, and even statewide that you've not seen before. And young lady, I don't remember your name. What was that? Jenny. I should not forget that one. Jenny. The doors of favor are opening for you, and as you sit as a judge, you are being placed in a strategic time in, in this location to be a voice of reason that is going to stand and begin to speak something that has not been spoken before. You carry with you a kingdom authority that comes from the courts of heaven that as you sit in a judgeship that your gavel represents heaven's decree for this area. And so even though in a judgeship there's times that the cases seem mundane and the same and I just got to make this decision and what's the law saying, even though those things are true in the natural, in the supernatural, in the kingdom realm, you're going to begin to release things that shift things. You're going to shift corporate understanding. You're going to shift family understanding. And you're going to begin to, to release into the bench of this area a voice that are going to cause other judges to re-examine their position and their, their interpretation of the law. And you're going to find that judges are starting to lean towards your interpretation of the law. And you're going to be a court where the kingdom is going to come to set precedent. So Laurie and I are, are, are now going to do our part. And when we've completed our part, I'm extending an invitation to this community, if you feel inclined, to come and do your part. I believe that from this point on, the mantle that you're carrying, Pastor Ralph, and the mantle that you're carrying, Wanda, that that mantle is changing. You carry a pastor's heart. You carry a shepherd's heart. You're the guy that when we get to put our head on your breast, we get revelation. That's not going to change. But you've also been called to be one that declares and releases and speaks into those things that are not yet so that they will be. And I just really charge all of us as a community to honor him and to honor her and the place that they've been set. And to the level that we're able to honor them is the level of honor we're able to receive. If you find yourself being somebody that feels dishonored all the time, try honoring others and watch how it changes. So I'm going to set the mic down. I, I, I really don't, well, I, I'm going to set the mic down and extend the invitation to anyone that uh, wants to come up. If 
you know, if you need to go, then feel free. I, I don't know how you guys normally dismiss. Feel free to be dismissed. Our team is up here too. We we would love to pray for you. So seek us out and and let's stay. The, the Revelation Angel is still here. So if you need prayer from our team, we want to kind of be over here where the Revelation Angel is. So if you go over there, you won't find us. We'll, we'll be over here. Okay. Everybody okay? It's been an absolute privilege to be here and to be with you guys. We love you. We look forward to coming back again. Um, we look forward to the ongoing relationship that's going to unfold. And um, we invite you to Delaware. I mean, if you come to Delaware, the good thing is we are a state that is so secure, we don't even need a professional sports team to feel good about ourselves. We have our identity worked out. While these guys are doing the foot washing, I just want to release um, something the Lord showed me this morning about relationship. And so I feel like... Um, you know, I have the privilege of being a part of the council at our church. And um, and I felt like the Lord had said this morning that he was giving me a picture of um, uh, his unity and his relationship with him and the Son and the Spirit. So you have God who's a triune God who's one. Who's one. And he models this for us. God is one, models this for us. And so we think that as we grow up and we get stronger or we get more whole, that we're going to be independent and go out and stand on our own and stand on our own two feet. But God is actually saying the more whole and the more healed we become, the more uh, ability we have to be in relationship with one another. So, so it's not an independence thing where we step out and say, oh, I get to stand on my own two feet. Because if God wanted us to be independent, he would have modeled that for us but he actually calls us to be in relationship. And so if there's any place at all that's in your heart, you're struggling with that, I just ask you to ask the Holy Spirit to check that and say, is there something in me that I feel like I need to be independent or set apart from people? Because isn't it true when we get offended or we get wounded, we push away and we choose to step out of relationship instead of be in it. And so I felt like for this church, I wanted to encourage you, you have what it takes to be whole and to be well in any area that you see or that the Lord shows you. You have it within yourselves, the model, the heavenly model of the triune God for what relationship and what unity looks like, for what wholeness looks like. And it's his heart toward us to, to be whole and to be in relationship with one another, no matter what's going on. And you have what you need to overcome, <laughs> okay? And so I just want to even release to, um, to your pastor and to, and to his wife, and their gifts and their abilities and the callings that's on them within this church and who they are. Father, I just thank you for the relationship that's here between the two of them and the relationship that's between you, God, and them. And Father, I release the blessing and the truth into this congregation that they are one and they're able to function in healthy and whole relationships with one another and with their pastor and their leadership. And so Father, I call into the present right now anything that might have been left to the side, left or right, might have been seemingly left behind or left undone or left offended. Father, I call that in to the present right now, and I call it healed and whole and well, and I call everything back into unity 
that may have been left laid aside. So, Father, I thank you for your healing. I thank you for your wholeness. I thank you for your unity uh, and the relationship that you have modeled for us. And I just bless that, and I speak the truth of that, that that's who you are, God, and that that's what you've called us as a family, as a church family, and as a people. And I bless this congregation, and I thank you for this people, God. I thank you for the truth of relationship and the truth of unity that's here and everything that's going to happen, even from this day forward. And God, we, we honor and recognize the journey they've been on and, the, and who they are as a family, and we bless them to go forward in the truth of this, of this relationship in you that you've modeled for them. Amen. So um, last night, the funny thing is that this came from a story of Hannah, her windshield wiper broke off, and um, we went to Walmart, um, and uh, Pastor Ralph uh, went with us, and, um, you know, being like the, the dad-type figure he is, he was like, oh, I'll help you guys out, but instead of, like, doing it for us, he sent us into Walmart to get the windshield wiper. He had um, made sure that we were the ones to uh, take the old one off, put the new one on, and, and fix it ourselves. And uh, he didn't do any of it for us. Instead, he um, he told us to do it ourselves. And it, it gave me this uh, vision of, like, this is my first weekend meeting him and knowing him. And, and I was like, um, Pastor Ralph is an equipper. He's not uh, an enabler. Um, and it from that, it really hit me. It was like, um, we need to not just be enablers of people. We need to be equippers of people. And it's like God's given us this. He's equipped us so well. He's throughout our lives, even like through Sozo ministry, he equips us. That's exactly what Sozo is, is, is equipping us. And I would just encourage you guys to, when you're, out there reaching out to people, when you're loving on people, um, we tend to look at ministry as something we need to do for somebody. And like that's the, the enabling side of it. But instead of doing it for somebody, think about how you can equip that person. Think about how you can give them something that they can actually use from then on in their entire life. And that will stick with that person more than anything. So, you know, look at Pastor Ralph and, and really, like, seek that equipping factor. And he's got it, and it's amazing. And I just want to, you know, pour that out on him and, and bless him in that, that he will continue to um, receive God's equipment so that he can continue to equip you guys and others around him. And then, you know, just use that to reach out to people in your own life. I have something again. Um, <laughs> there's uh, Pastor Ralph and Wanda were at my Sweet 16 party, and uh, this is before they were our pastors, but they were our, our wonderful friends. And there's a picture of Wanda's foot in Ralph's lap, and he's putting some type of cream on her foot. She's, and our, it's, it's in my album, and I just, it's vividly in my head. And I was 
asking God what that meant, and he's telling me, a husband is, is to be, to love his wife the way Christ loved the church, and our pastor loves his wife the way Christ loved the church, and he loves us the same way. And um, when Pastor Ralph became the pastor, the first thing I asked him is, would you marry me? Not like, would you marry me? But would you be the one to marry me to my husband? And that's because he is to us the demonstration of the relationship between husband and wife and between Jesus Christ and her church. So thank you for that. I'm not normally one that gets up and talks in front of anybody, so forgive me. <laughs> All morning long, I have seen nothing but fire just ring in this place. I will admit that Chris and I have had issues in our marriage recently. And these two have prayed for us. And I see, I've seen revelation today. I've seen joy and I've seen love in my husband that I haven't seen in years. And it started when he walked into this, this house, this family. I grew up a Christian. I prayed. I worship. I love my God. I took a walkabout. Ralph knows about this. I've come back. And now I'm seeing the journey that my husband has gone on. And it's amazing to see. It's amazing for me to know that I can, I can pray to God and say, God, please develop in him what you have developed in me. Create a fire down deep in his soul that he can't contain and that he can't control. And let it be you. Just reign over him. And I have seen it. So I can do nothing but love on these two right here right now and love on my Father God because he is one that even if I'm in a deep, deep valley, I reach out and I ask him to take my hand and I know he's there. I declare his love over everybody in this house today. Again, I'm not I'm not one to get up here. Mary was saying that she wanted to get me on the worship team. Maybe where that, that's where God's leading me to. Because I love to see the smiles in your face and the, the joy, the fire burning through your eyes. I've seen that today. And I praise every one of you that when I I declare joy and abundance and prosperity and peace and love over every one of you today. Because this house has given me peace. It continues to give me peace. And, sorry, I just, I love all of you. Thank you for keeping us in this fold because we went to another church. I will not go to another church. This is my home. Right here, right now, with all of you. 
Have a great day. <laughs>
Father, I stand today in agreement with the dreams of this house, with the visions of this house, with the things that have been birthed and are yet to be birthed, with those that carry with them all that you've called. We stand in agreement with it, and we say yes. We say yes. We say in this place, this is an open portal. This is a place where heaven is free to invade the earth through his people. This is a place where God is free to bring heavenly deposits, knowing that they will not be kept here in vaults, but they will be sent out into the streets to accomplish all that the word has been sent. We agree with what God is doing. We speak anointing over every one of you. It's not, it's not a commissioning of the one, it's the commissioning of the whole. And so over you, I release anointing. I release his presence. I release his vision that the Holy Spirit will dwell in you and well up in you, that you all will be people of dreams and visions, that what you're seeing now, you've only begun to scratch the surface of what you'll see. The former days were good. We honor the former days. But it's the latter rain that we cry out for. And it's the latter rain that you're going to experience. And so, Jesus, we give you glory. We thank you that this is your house. We thank you that this is your people. It's your vision. And we thank you, God, for today and all that you've done. Amen? Amen. Amen.